Hey, this is Harpo the Healer. Welcome to the Harping with Harpo series. This is our 20th podcast. Don't forget to have a look and check out all other episodes. It's loosely based around blues and the blues harmonica. However, we do cover many other enlightening topics of discussion and subjects and explore many interesting avenues. Uh, these pods are a supplement to Harpo the Healer on YouTube. In this episode, I start with a quick humorous look at letters to the editor. Next, uh, we discuss uh, a famous case sinking of RMS Titanic. We move on to something more topical in the now. NASA launching a spacecraft recently with the intention of hitting an asteroid to move it as a test for Earth's security in the future. And we explore these reasons and possibilities with some general conversation mixed in. Podcasts are free and if you feel that it was any way beneficial, Harper the Healer YouTube has got a link on there. You can help support the channel, drive us forward. The podcast was made on the 20th of December 2021 with RJ, who's a friend of mine. These are all long-distance recordings using internet technology. Hey, RJ, how's it going today? Fine, it's good, it's good. It's good to hear you. Okay, well, today, we're last one of the year, we're going to be doing... Well, we do a quick couple of letters to the editor, but then we're going to look at this calamity of the uh, ship Titanic that everybody should know about, and then we'll have a, have a chat probably about this... Uh, a topical thing about the spacecraft that's uh, that we've we've sent up on its uh, kamikaze mission yeah, yeah and then right, have yeah. a general chat about everything else um mm. so uh you have because we weren't really going to do letters to the editor were we today because no. we were doing so the other thing so you I'll borrow just quickly, some you've got yeah yeah i'll just read these a couple out this is from uh, somebody called uh elfington pixie boothroyd apparently uh yeah. she said her parents were quite into the 70s old she's not from they're not from the 70s but uh, she was named elfington pixie boothroyd from a right, place nice. <laughs> grimsdale somewhere some some remote desolate dark place i don't know Ooh, and she says dear harpo and rj can you get all the chromatic notes on the little diatonic harmonica? Uh, that's the first part of the question. Well, yes, right. you can. And miraculous, what a brilliant uh, question, because it just so happens that I've put a video out recently on that very thing. Yes. Playing yeah. all the notes. Excellent. So that's uh, what a coincidence. Fantastic. But then she says a second part of the question. Can you play the harmonica underwater? Uh, well, again, you can. It, it's, it's very difficult to do, and it just costs quite a lot of money to do it. It is possible, uh, and the, the best suggestion I can for you to get into it is uh, the use of a submarine. Yeah, all right. yeah that's the easiest uh, way, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and this one last letter, a guy called Reg Cowthorpe, who right. amazingly is from the same village of Grimthorpe, or Grimsdale. Yeah, it's a very grim part of the world. Yeah. And he says, what are the best materials? He knew that we were going to be talking about the dart today, about the spacecraft. Mm. We are going to be mm. talking about that. So he mm. says, what are the best materials to be the strongest materials we could use to make a harmonica out of? Because he wants to try and make one. And he's mm. saying, is, is, would tungsten be strong enough? Tungsten, yeah. tungsten uh, steel, chromium, yeah. titanium, iron, uh, viridium or lutinum. Or what, what, what would be, well, tungsten's obviously the... Uh, yeah. Probably a material that you will be aware of in, in your yeah. work, RJ. Might do, yeah, but he, he might be better off trying to do a gold one or something like that, or a platinum one. Can do yes, that. but that's so that's strong. the material. I mean, it's definitely the hardest, isn't it? That's, uh, yeah. Certainly certainly the strongest. But, but it would uh, sound any good, I don't know. Or it might uh, cause a few why problems. Is he, why but, does he need to make it out of the hardest material? Because he, he wants to make it out, he says in his letter, he wants to make it out the hardest material, so he only needs to buy one. 
One ever, just one ever. C harp. That's what we'll, we'll do. Stick with the C harp. I'm yeah. guessing you could probably achieve it, but the price of the harmonica will be so expensive yeah. that you'd be better off just buying one now and again. Well, exactly. They'll factor in the manufacturers <laughs> would factor in the fact that you're never going to buy one again, so it'll be like two thousand pounds or something. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So that was our, our quick letters to the yeah, end. Very good. short. Good. Very short today. Yeah. So the first topic we're going to talk to, we're not going to go real in depth for the listeners today, but sort of have a bit of fun with it, but also yeah. a serious aspect. And we seem to keep drawing uh, parallels with, with some of our other stuff. There's the same uh, reasons for failure and all. It seem to crop up over and over again. It's the same reasons. But yeah. we're going to do um, RMS Titanic today, yeah. probably the most uh, famous ship disaster in the world. Yeah. Uh, 46,000, uh, was it about 46,000 ton ship? And I know both my kids, when they were young, obviously grown up now, they did mm. this at school. Whereas I think when well, you were in high school, we did, we did Captain Scott. I know, I know mine yeah. did Titanic because my youngest one, when she was at school, uh, had to, um, she was given a Norwegian name, I remember, as a survivor. Right. I suppose, well, they wouldn't mm. give them the ones that were dead, would they? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know. I, I had the same experience. My kids really getting into it. But I think thinking back, it was because it yeah. was 1912 was when yeah. it happened. So if it was then 100 years later, your kids, my kids, same age, however many years ago, that's nine years ago, there was a bit of a yeah. big craze on the Titanic. And where we are, we've got this maritime museum. And oh, right. they did a big exhibition on the Titanic. And I'm just thinking back, that must have been to tie in with the centenary of the Titanic sinking. But yeah. Um, yeah. So just yeah, briefly, you know, it's one of the biggest ships they made back in. Uh, was it in Southampton? No, that was the maiden yeah, voyage of Southampton they call it to the, New York. The maiden voyage went from Southampton, but actually, it had already sailed because it was built mm. in the Belfast shipyards. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Then they they took it to Southampton. Yeah. Yeah. So it started out from there, and then basically, it had something like two, over two thousand uh, people on board. Yeah. And it set yeah. off on that April. Um, to that 1912. It was April 10th when it kicked off, wasn't it? Yeah. Because you mentioned there when you said about 2000. I did, like you, I did a little bit of looking up here. Mm. And, uh, you know, some say 2224. Some people say 2100. They don't really know. No, I'm sure they don't. Yeah. There's probably people stowing away on it when they're trying to hide it. Yeah, and there's a lot of third-class passengers, a lot of immigrants looking to set a new, go to a new life, new new chapter yeah. and of course a lot of wealthy people notable yeah. people on board as well and you know obviously since there's the whole kind of it's not a myth anymore I'm obviously knows, knows it's real but there's loads of things that have been built into our psyche into the sort of this country to define us but these disasters as you say they sort of uh this is quite a major one up there wasn't it? it's up there on the sort of disaster especially a maritime disaster I suppose kind of basically because they built this shit yeah and then they said it was unsinkable. Yeah, that's what I remember. And, just, you and just first remember time out, it yeah. went down. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like a really big kind of anticlimax for this huge thing, epic ship that yeah. they've been able to technically build, and then suddenly, bang, it goes in two seconds, which is a bit. Dis- it's a bit like they when send they rocket when they send the rockets up. So much time and money is invested in it, and then two seconds later, it's blown up. Yeah, just just to draw parallel, just just like some sort of boxer who goes to all these press conferences and does all this jovial waffle and face to face with his opponent and goes on forever and ever and ever and ever 
yeah. but when the when the bouts start, he gets knocked out in three seconds. Yeah, <laughs> and. And, you know, it's, and, and it's kind of you think well, it's a real hype thing, isn't it? Media yeah. likes to hype things, don't they? And I think we we live in an age of media. We're just completely surrounded by media, and they love you know sort of salaciousness. They love the spectacle, the spectacle, don't they? It's the huge spectacle of this mammoth thing. See, this is really interesting what you point out there. Even though we've started on Titanic, because yeah. recently YouTube have done an excellent thing. I think they've. Um, Unless it's private, you, you, privately you can see your dislikes, but they've put a button on now that they've stopped the dislikes being shown. Mm. And lots of younger people are saying that's a bad idea. We want to see all the dislikes. Right. But I can see why YouTube has done it, because yeah. people react to quantity, not quality. Yeah. And if you could have a thousand people disliking something, disliking a, a part of a, a surgeon's job doing an operation where actually yeah. it's a brilliant operation, but you might have an awful lot of people not understanding it. So they, they, they click yeah. the wrong thing, if you yeah. see what I mean. For the wrong reasons. It gets, yeah, it gets exactly, remembered yeah. for the wrong reasons. So and, I, could understand their, yeah. I can understand why they've done it. I can understand the other viewpoint as well. Mm. But it, you've got to qualify why yeah. people disliking something yeah well you see this is the problem with a lot of media we're, we're digressing a little bit but the yeah this is the problem we're, we're getting all these ticks thumbs up and hearts and things from people we don't know this is the problem with social media i think there's all this stuff and it's like why are we why are we being driven but we, i don't think we're being driven by that i think it's all the ai this artificial intelligence that then gathers that data right and then it's and then it sort of tries to channel it into the right screens that we're sitting in front of, which is dangerous. I think it is quite dangerous. Yeah, we may touch on that a little bit later. But the wrong reasons, I think for a lot of the time, the stuff we get exposed to, we're getting exposed to it for completely wrong reasons. And unfortunately, you know, this is happening over 100 years ago now, maybe at the time. It wasn't quite so. It was just a sort of mammoth mega event. And it obviously would have made the headlines. And of course, it's this Captain Smith's last voyage before yeah. he retires. And he's yeah. he's quite notable. A lot of the dignitary yeah. people, when they sailed, used to change their passes. They, it was quite a thing if you'd sailed with Smith. He had a bit of a mm. reputation. Oh, I, I sailed on Smith's ship kind of mm. thing. So he, he had a, a bit of a sort of a um, bit of a cult following, really. Yeah, it's funny when you then I think like all these things we've spoken about, these things, these disasters from the disaster people review things that they obviously sort of come back they have an inquiry and then lots of things change and I guess one of the things that changed from this was like what is the point in building boats this big because like a big mm. boat a big problem almost isn't it it's like all these things mm. but also health and safety must have been there must have been no health and safety back then but they said they were so sure this thing wasn't going to sink they had no like contingency there was like the lifeboats were I think it could only take a third of the people. Was yeah, that right? it's a good point because I think what exactly. So, so we could actually look at that, the sort of design of this thing. I mean, as you say, we, it set off from Southampton four days later. Uh, everybody mm. knows the story. It, it, yeah. it hits this uh, huge iceberg. Well, there's three theories, really. Hits an iceberg. Uh, there's an, a sort of explosion in the front end of the ship from a fire and from the stoking areas, possibly. Uh -huh. And a third yeah. theory, two of it together, and another theory where some form of uh, submarine hit it with a, 
uh, torpedo, but actually uh, conspiracies. in 1912 couldn't actually get that far from the other coastline. So right. that, that theory is completely out. So we know that it hit the iceberg. So, um, but yeah, but uh, what perhaps what we could do is, um, is before we go into the sort of human factor of, of, yeah. of, of, of what, what went, took place, the, the actual material that, 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 as you say, cutting, are you suggesting cutting corners on building the ship? No, I don't know. I don't, wasn't aware of that. I thought it was like it was like a double hull type boat, wasn't it? Where it, it was like that was the safety, wasn't it? It had this sort of double yeah, Isma, skin. The, Isma was the guy that designed it. They at one stage they lowered the bulkheads. The high right. apparently the higher the bulkheads, the safer the ship is. A right. bulkhead being like a oh, for the listener, you know, a partition, so that mm. if, if if there's a, a hole breach, if there's a hole in it then mm. that area will fill up with water, but then that will be watertight so that the ship will still sail. Yeah. And apparently yeah. they'd had ships, a ship in the past where it had a head-on collision and they tend to build a bulkhead at the front right. for a front-end collision because mm. it, there's a picture on you, on, the, on the Wikipedia of a, of a ship actually being hit full-on, all its front caved in, and yet it's, yeah. it, it manages to limp home. Right, but what Isma had yeah. done, he'd he'd re- he, he said he, he wants more ornate staircases and everything for yeah. passengers. Yeah. So right. the so he got them to reduce the bulkheads down to, I think it yeah. was three meters, where they yeah. said something like eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve meters would be would have been the norm, but be, be much safer. Yeah. So above this three meters, you know, if the water's coming, you know, so he's yeah. got these bulkheads much less, and as you quite rightly say. The, you may just mentioned the lifeboats there. Um, there were supposed to be 48 lifeboats, but they d- mm. he didn't think that on deck it didn't look very pretty for the passengers and all the rest of it. So yeah. they each lifeboat takes 60 uh, people right. and they reduced 48 lifeboats. The boat actually had on it 16 lifeboats. Yeah. So that's what, 960, is it? Yeah. So less than half the passengers yeah yeah can actually get off wow. yeah. we're going back to that thing as we said at the start they said it was unsinkable yeah exactly you get kind of with this false sense of security don't you? you get kind of swept along with this idea that's never going to happen don't you and we've touched upon this with some of these other talks we've done like say yes. for amelia Earhart and you then when you look exactly, back yeah. you sort of go well why did they not think of this the basics I and mean, we're talking basics here aren't we so at least have enough live rafts or boats or things to sort of help everybody but yeah these and things so in, in modern times what they've done is uh, realize that they've with the materials the bottom of the hull uh, where, where the riveting the big machine this big cumbersome machine they use they yeah. couldn't they couldn't use it they were using steel rivets which are the strongest right. yeah. but apparently they had to switch to raw iron rivets right. down at the bottom okay. yeah where it curved and they yeah. were knocking them in by hand yeah. because they couldn't do it they just couldn't do it any other way no. and um no. one of the theories is as it scrapes this iceberg and hits this iceberg breaking mm. it down the side yeah is that um the rivets down there are not strong enough right. and therefore it actually unzips the ship yeah it actually yeah. tears it underneath yeah so which is which is quite so catastrophic you know more it? about materials than i do in in profession but from what i gather that raw iron or pig iron it has impurities in it 
whereas yeah. steel is harder because it's got those impurities taken out. Well, yeah. apparently recently in the last few years, there's been a forensic uh, scientist lady went over to Belfast and, s and looked at those rivets, the 49 yeah. they retrieved from going down to have a look at the Titanic in 1996. Oh, yeah, when they, they found it, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Um, apparently they were supposed to, uh, apparently this idea of using these type of raw iron rivets is, is common throughout shipping at that time, and there's never been a problem. But mm. what had happened is they had to, they'd ordered grade three rivets when they should have ordered mm. grade four. So even though they were wrought iron, they, they were grossly yeah. reduced in their strength, even with the wrought iron rivets. Yeah. But so you see all these things, is, when, when you do any of these sorts of design um, exercises, you, you're always balancing, aren't you, costs with the design. Yes. But whether you then make these decisions, you have to be able to audit nowadays. What you have to you have to audit yourself so that you can go back and check why a particular decision was made. So if somebody said, "Look, let's reduce the value or let's reduce the quality of that rivet because we can save some money here." Uh, but then, do they also say, "Look at uh, explore the so idea of safety"? So are you suggesting there that the grade three rivet rather than the grade four rivet was a genuine mistake? Well, or do been, you think yeah. it was a saving? I, I suspect it would have been a saving because this project was a mammoth project, wasn't it? Yeah, it's very interesting. But, you yeah. know, but that that's that goes throughout time, isn't it? It's the same thing. Same thing happens today, doesn't it? We all have to make those decisions. You weigh up whether something's worth paying that little bit more for. Because with then, all those rivets being hammered in by hand, you'd have mm. thought somewhere along the line there must be on the rivet or in the paperwork. They must know it's a grade three rivet, not just the the shipping guy in the office yeah. that's ordered them. They must yeah. know that they're putting in a grade three rather than a grade four rivet, surely. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, they must do. But then again, it all comes down to like your quality control as well, doesn't it? Because the, are you, if you're building a ship, are you checking yourself? Are you kind of regulating yourself? Or do you have other people coming in to check? Mm. I'm sure they would have had standards that they would need to maintain. It's fascinating get, because... You know, we talked about the lifeboats being reduced from 48 to 16. Yeah. Basically, yeah. a lot of it to do with cosmetics. Yeah. And yet the uh, board of the uh, inspection board of trade and the inspectors came on and they passed the ship for service. So yeah. it was inspected and they ticked all the boxes and said, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, so I think they're going down the same route of it's unsinkable. Uh, yeah, I think what happens is quite often with these situations is, is sometimes the regulations that you work to are slightly discretionary and you've got an ability to sort of trade off. So somebody says, look, I know you want this normally, but look, this ship is unsinkable. Like, we don't need that. And they'll go, well, OK, OK. So they just convince them, like, you don't need that level of <laughs> yeah, input. It's as easy you know. as that, yeah. yeah you yeah. could do. Unfortunately, that's the way it is, isn't it? A lot of things, and that's why we get disasters, because probably. Because all intents and purposes, if he hadn't raked down the side of the iceberg, that ship could have sailed perfectly normally for 20 years and maybe had a crack in the hull 25 yeah. years later and then repaired. And not ever known that this, if they hadn't yeah. actually hit exactly these they did they factor in hitting an iceberg in that way and what it would do they probably didn't have any models they didn't have any computer modeling to do yeah. all that well, nowadays they they can computer model everything can't they and they can try and account for any test, situation test out the strengths yeah i mean it's quite it's, it's really so think, that's some kind of a material side of it now i suppose 
when we look at um, so reducing the bulkheads is a weakness as well for water getting in so that yeah you know, that's another thing that they do and then of course the lifeboats in terms of we keep coming back to this the whole crew and everybody believing it was unsinkable. Mm. They they keep getting these ice warnings from other right. neighbouring ships. Incidentally, uh, we never know the exact size of these things, but between this iceberg was probably between 200 and 400 feet long and between 50 and 100 foot high above the waterline. Now, typically with icebergs, you're talking 10% above the waterline. The mass bulk of it is uh, under the waterline, uh, but this computes with a mass of around 1.5 million tonnes. So it's pretty big. Yeah. Telling them there's ice in the area. And Smith yeah. himself had done a um, plotted a more southerly route, hopefully to avoid yeah. any ice. Didn't anticipate this huge, huge iceberg, which was... It's just off that know, New York bit, wasn't it? It was massive, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, but it just seems a bit bizarre. Actually, you don't really associate that area with icebergs, do you? New York. No, and this one, coming down from Labrador and all the way down that coastline, most of them sort of drop into the bays and they lose a lot of their... They, they lose a lot of it or they end up finishing their life coming down that... Do route. they sort of not melt before they really yeah, reach that level? Yeah, so it's a good point, RJ. And, um, of course, Captain Smith had um, been going a more southerly direction... Uh, southwesterly direction to avoid this ice and they were getting um, at 5.30 he decided to change tack and turn more west and of course he, he delays the order by another 20 minutes to allow um, even more time you know to go further south first you know which is obviously a, a supposedly a safer area of the Gulf Stream away from any ice region but as we know, this uh, 1912 was a particularly rare occurrence of weather change that uh, we also know from Captain Scott is, is a change in the weather, a, a sort of rare occurrences happening here. So inadvertently, he's now on a course heading direct for um, this iceberg, on a, inadvertently, of course. Um, you know, they, so, you know, from the cold currents of Labrador uh, moving around this huge iceberg, which creates a, would you believe, a protective layer around it and um, basically insulating it against the warming effect of the Gulf Stream. Uh, therefore, it's stopping this particular huge iceberg melting. Now, the fate, to some extent, is about the direction the Labrador currents take and it goes where the uh, and the iceberg simply goes where the Gulf Stream uh, lets it go. Uh, the berg was spotted by the SS California who fires off uh, iceberg warnings for the Titanic's attention and beard the uh, operator, the radio operator, the warning. Um, you know, he was busy doing the accounts and it, it kind of ignored it. Uh, ignored that particular one, but at 7.20 he finishes the accounts and turns his attention to um, these uh, warnings of these three large bergs seen at uh, latitude 42 north, longitude 49 west. Okay, so basically right smack in front or on the trajectory of uh, where the Titanic is heading. He uh, takes this note up to uh, the bridge but the captain's gone and sat down for a 10 course meal and he uh, in a court of inquiry he's saying that he handed it to a particular officer he can't remember which officer and uh, none of the surviving officers uh, can ever remember receiving a message. Well there you go. Of course, everybody's looking out for themselves now uh, under these uh, circumstances. Whatever can we read into it? Was the message ever delivered at all? 
or was it? So we're in a flat calm, uh, complicated with a moonless night. It's a rare occurrence, but that particular mixture makes it very hard to spot icebergs at night. And as with all ships at this time, there was no proper procedure for uh, slowing down, slowing down a ship in case of ice. There was no sort of uh, regulated procedure. They must have had a bit of a change in the Gulf Stream or something. It would maybe it wasn't working right. quite as well to sort yeah. of melt things. Maybe but we were going then, through a bit of an ice age. But then we 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 go on to this human, the sort of human error. Getting these ice warnings with this MSG on, which means if they put MSG, that means it's for the captain, and yeah. they they keep sending these ice warnings, sort of getting them, and the captain's getting some of these. Um, but there's one thing that I found which is really interesting. I don't know if you knew about this. Okay. But their sister ship, the Olympia, came right. in for emergency repairs. Yeah. And as a result, the Titanic was uh, put back a month before the oh, voyage. Okay. Okay. Some of the Olympia's crew came on to Titanic, right. and therefore he had to demote a couple of the officers. And one officer yeah. was dismissed because he had too many. So the youngest officer or whatever had to leave the ship. Well, mm. he, in his haste to get off the ship at Southampton, he packed his stuff and packed a key to a mm. locker that mm. held the binoculars. Right. The lookouts had no binoculars. And what's crazy to me, well, if they knew that, why didn't they just go to this locker and break into it? Or maybe they didn't know where this locker was. I don't know. But yeah. so, they, so they didn't have any binoculars with them. So and that, they reckon that they may yeah. well have seen this iceberg earlier, had earlier. the lookouts in the crow's nest. Was it not at night time? Was it not at night time? It was at night time, but they probably could have seen it. It was in a flat car. Mm. And um, mm, mm. but they're Keep saying it might at, yeah. well have seen an outline shape possible, you know. But do you think that was done deliberately to not leave the key to get the I don't know. Was it done it out of sort of a grudge? Such an a sort little, of... Odd, silly little thing to, to yeah. miss out, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's funny when you get these little these little incidents. It's like a butterfly flaps his wing one side of the world, doesn't it? And it causes a catastrophe the other, the chaos theory. You know the chaos theory. Yes. Yeah. You know, you get something really in, non non event. You know, hardly anything happening at one point, and then it you can feet, draw a line all the way back to that single thing and go, God, yeah. if we'd only had those binoculars. Well, and, and apparently on the radio messages, they they ha if they put if they prefix it with MSG, mm. that means the captain has to see it. But that prefix right. that prefix comes from the person who's sending the message. Oh, right. Which is okay, yeah. really interesting. So yes, they if they send that. a message and they don't put MSG on it, then the radio office, radio operator is it, it, not, not necessarily going to take it to the captain because they have not uh, suggested it should go to the captain, which I find that really odd. Yeah, you know? it seems um, like a really important message. And so this captain, the captain of the Titanic, Edward John Smith, his full name was, well, yeah. he, he'd retired to have a 10-course meal. That evening, oh, yeah. with <laughs> I remember they had, they had like huge menus, didn't they? Like twenty courses or something, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. And wasn't the band still playing when the boat's yeah, going yeah, down? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And there's there's these two radio operators who are sort of yeah. in this room. One of them's having a kip while the other one's working the radios, and then they swap round. Yeah. yeah. Phillips and Braid. I think it's Phillips that um, eventually gives a, a rude message to the SS Californian and tells right. them to to stop sending ice warnings 
Uh, they sent a really ice warning about three huge icebergs in the area. But he says, because these radio operators have different jobs and, and uh, apart, they have to do the ship's accounts at the same time. But his job, he was trying to get all the passenger messages off to Newfoundland. And, and it was very important these passengers and crew had their messages sent. Oh, when the Californian was uh, sending the messages, it nearly blew his ears off because they're quite close. And he's, yeah. he had to turn his um, uh, his audio well up to be able right. to communicate with Newfoundland, which is 370 miles away or whatever it yeah. was. Yeah. So um, so he gives a rude message, basically, stop sending me these ice warning messages. I've got plenty more things to do, right. which, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is pretty significant because the Californian was probably the close one of the closest ships to Titanic. Right. And when they were firing off distress flares and all the rest of it, mm. a board of inquiry, the Californian, uh, the captain of the Californian steamship saying he didn't either see them or didn't react to them. Um, he might have done because maybe the first... all that was a point of point of the fact that they'd had a rude message from yeah. Titanic and thinking, well, they're parting, aren't they? And they're, they're yeah. you know. So and the, we've been told to leave them alone. Kind yeah, because it's funny. Was it the Carpathia? RMS Carpathia was the one oh, yes. that got there. They're the one. That's that the one that actually off, got. Yeah. So they now whether you're saying the other ship was closer, but maybe well, they didn't bother going. Miles. I don't know how close the the other ship was, but um, well, the other I was half an hour away. They, I don't know. They, I don't there know was how. a sort of inquiry why they didn't react. But mm. often mm. wonder if it's because the radio operator doesn't say to his captain. Yeah. Look, basically told me to get stuffed so and yeah. he's all right then yeah yeah because but, right. but in his eyes probably he can't believe that they're in trouble yeah yeah exactly again it's this sort of false sense of security like this isn't going to happen even if they get because i think there's like you say with all this construction there's a certain amount of damage it can have and then it could kind of like go back in limp mode couldn't it it could have got itself back yeah a certain amount of damage but it obviously just had just that too much damage because actually the, the officers actually on the bridge when they raked down the side of the iceberg they saw yeah. it last minute went to turn to port i think so much and basically yeah. they said to each other phew that was lucky we got away with it yeah they thought yeah. the fact they'd raked the side of the iceberg fine but they thought they were okay yeah they didn't yeah. they didn't think that what was happening below the waterline it mm, mm. happened yeah which is, which is quite interesting i mean as you say there's loads of variables loads of things to take into account that could be significant on what on so many different levels and as you say these days you have these huge inquiries as to why this happened who would you blame would you put blame i mean do you always blame the captain is it always the captain's fault yeah the captain well apparently there is one incident where they said that the captain actually handed one of the ice warnings to hmm. isma who was on the ship who was the ship's designer um, at the oh. court of inquiry they wondered why the captain was handing an ice warning to him He'd yeah. been witnessed doing it. And yeah. maybe it's because you could we could say, well, is Isma the designer? Is he saying, look, we've got to keep going full steam ahead. I don't want to be late. I want to arrive yeah. in New York. I, I want it all to be, you know, forget these yeah. ice warnings. Could, is it something like that that he's saying? Yeah. A I, sort I, of pride. There's a pride. Because they were doing about side. 21, 20, I don't know, 23, 24 knots. They were almost at full speed for that ship when they hit it. Yeah, so they've hit it quite fast, haven't they? And 
Other mm. ships in the area at the time, some of them had actually uh, shut off engines and were just waiting till morning. Yeah. Because yeah. they were surrounded by ice and they weren't sure. They they just sort of shut down and just says, well, we'll wait here till morning and then we'll... But yeah. they were on this schedule to keep all the passengers yeah. happy. I think it's, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? It's, there's loads of these things. And I think what's interesting is... Um, in terms of the discussion is that you know how much do you allow for in terms of contingency on any kind of event you know if, if a disaster is going to happen can you foresee every single thing re- in a reasonable mindset you know so say you'd look at that at the engineer or the person who designed it could he reasonably have expected this kind of disaster what if another or less you know i just can't ship? believe that a designer who mm. originally had 48 boats on it changed yeah. the lifeboats, changed it to have 16 because he couldn't honestly believe that the ship could sink, uh, you know. It wouldn't sink. It wouldn't, excuse me, sorry, yeah, yeah. It, it wouldn't sink. And yeah, I don't know whether a designer at that point would have done made that decision. I think that's a more of an aesthetic one. Someone who's then come along and said, like, we want big grand decks yeah. and things like that. Yeah. They've said, like, we don't want those boats there because those boats are going to ruin our look, you know. Yeah, these sorts of decisions are sort of made by people that aren't really or shouldn't really be able to make those decisions, really, should they? That's right. Yeah. But then, you know, what you have to think about are the 1500 people that ultimately died, perished because of these decisions. That's that's the thing, isn't it? Not that we, we don't forget these things, but even if you were third class, because they had this class system, didn't they, on the boat? Like you were third class, second oh, class, right, first yeah. class, which you don't have that anymore, do you? When they were discussing design and saying about the ornate staircase needing to be bigger, and so yeah. therefore, what, oh, well, in that case, what I'll have to do is lower the bulkhead. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and you're thinking, well, so you're starting to compromise safety for for, yeah. for ostentatious or whatever it is. Yeah. Just a visual thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of kind of weird, isn't it? So. Yeah. So it's, I know we haven't done lots of detail, as in the actual no, time but it's, and dates. It was the late on april the 14th early hours of the april 15th, yeah that it all yeah, happened, it all happened. yeah that's right by yeah. And large, it seems to me that it was a culmination of, of of problems here that miscommunication money greed power or or whatever mm. coupled with them um, sort of some design not necessarily design faults but design shortcut maybe yeah design decisions maybe decisions that were kind of based on maybe information that maybe wasn't wasn't relevant or a variable that they shouldn't have taken into account as much. And I suppose from these courts of inquiry, you'll never get to the point of who actually said <clears throat> what and telephoned who or who who got mm. what material there, you know. But it just seems it just seems like the other ones that we've done when we looked at this, we've just mm. looked at it and thought, well, it's just like a lot of the others that that a lot of there's a lot of human error involved here. Yeah, there's similarities. There's there's loads of similarities and. Yeah, whether you can learn what what do you learn i mean i think they've never really built boats as big as this since have they uh not that i, d- I don't know but i think you're right yeah but yeah. not that i'm into that maritime history or anything but that's a huge boat isn't it and would it have been better to have had two smaller boats to, to make the same journeys and you know what what do they achieve by the bigger and best yeah, so they could have two them? and have a race and then one goes down but if you're on the other boat you've yeah. made it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and the, you know, things like the saying that there were the, the officers on the bridge, they're looking for growlers, which are little, very, very small icebergs that can be quite dangerous under the surface. And yeah. they God, reckon yeah. they can see them from about between a mile and two mile. And they're looking for little things. They're not expecting 
Yeah, the big a, stuff. A great big thing, but they had 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 warnings. But did they have those days? Did they have the radar type things? Not that I'm aware they of. They could no. leap out and then they'd be able to say, no. look, there's something coming up. They probably didn't, did they? So it's all no, visual, isn't it? Not in 1912, no. No. Yeah, no. So, 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 you know, so... So basically, I mean, just looking from that, just just discussing it in very briefly here, without all the dates and times yeah, and the rest of it. Yeah. It just seems a catalogue of errors, but uh, it's it's human error again that's uh, that's yeah. fault. And and yeah. the, probably you could argue the um, I don't know the pompousness or the arrogance or the mm, mm. again is that at work? Yeah, I'm sure there's lots of people with sort of they don't well, they don't want to sort of. Uh, take the blame or feel that they're responsible yeah so i think somewhere... how many how many crew was it again getting accuracy on this is extremely difficult there's between six and nine hundred crew members it's nearer going towards nine i think when you think that uh, somewhere around 700 perished um apparently that's um but uh, you every time you look at statistics and you try and marry them up to try and get a general consensus. It's extremely difficult with this uh, particular ship. Approximately 2,200 people, maybe 2,220, I don't know, uh, people on board that vessel, the Titanic, and um, survivors were at somewhere between 700 and 713. Um, but um, if you do bits of research, you find that there's all sorts of little discrepancies. They were never quite sure. Yeah. When you watch yeah. like Star Trek with Captain Kirk there, and he's got his Starship Enterprise, he's in charge, isn't he? He's got the final word, yeah. Spark, right? And knows what he's talking about most of the time, doesn't he? Because he's practically yeah. a, <laughs> exactly. a computer, fully logic. He's got logic behind him. Yeah. But at the end of the day, Captain Kirk, right, has the responsibility for the whole ship, and he's got this human element to him that kind of sees him through, doesn't it? Because actually Spock, with his logic, his pure logic, doesn't yeah, always see through. He's almost like artificial through. intelligence, isn't he, Spock? Because he's yeah. so logical. He's, yeah. he, he hasn't got anything wrong at all other than logic. But sometimes it's yeah. sheer logic. But you see, I, I, I think a lot... of the right decision. Yeah, but sheer logic could also be wrong, couldn't it? It could, because yeah. you... Exactly. Yeah, I think, and I think during these times, I think there's, there is a battle, I think, in, in philosophy going on at this time against the sort of a logic that maybe we were going down, the British and the Americans, as opposed to a more European aspect of the human condition, yes. which sometimes we dip into. It's like, where do you make, how do you make those decisions against, do you, do you base everything on a logic, a rationalness, or do you sort of say, look, I have a hunch, I have a hunch this isn't right. Like, this is, cutting this is out interesting because talking about the hunch and things being not right, and that kind of leads us into this yeah this thing about um which is topical because it's what's happening now for us and if yeah. people are listening to this in a thousand years time they'll uh, it'll be quite interesting to see how we're actually talking that this is actually happening in our time yeah where uh, you know planet earth we're considering the fact about um an asteroid one day might yeah um, very interesting yeah might yeah. hit the earth and and so therefore what we're doing is f uh, sending a spacecraft up to uh, the, uh, a particular asteroid and uh, uh, deliberately crashing it into to see if we can move it so that for, for the future to see yeah. if it's actually possible now i if we go back sort of 221 what would it be million years ago oh, yeah. we went back that far we're talking about the dinosaurs, yeah, which would be what originally 220 were in the Triassic. Yeah, now, yeah, but yeah. The, the very first when all the continent was 
all together. You know. Yeah. Now I know. Right. I know. Um, I've always maintained this theory. The reason why the dinosaurs became extinct was a a, a lack of smoking ban. Yeah. That was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was my theory. But I know in 1980, a scientist and his son did a lot of work, and they've more or less proved that an asteroid hit the Earth, gave a lot of disaster, created a a, a huge winter, lack of photosynthesis, and all the rest of it. Yeah. And basically. Else, didn't it? finish them off but of course my theory still holds up for the triassic period the, the 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 first period when when all the continent was together when there wasn't much difference in evolution all the animals looked fairly much the same yeah but never really got to that to get into the jurassic of what happened there the continent yeah. started breaking up in jurassic and then broke up again in the cretaceous period which is the last mm. period dinosaur so okay so they've got an asteroid for that but i still think the smoking ban for yeah. the, the triassic period is a is a possibility it's a big one yeah. but, yeah. Uh, but, anyway, but you know but joking aside just yeah just sort of for the listeners we just go through the what they what they're aiming to do rj with this yeah well that's the interesting thing the, the bit that we sort of thought was quite interesting is what they've done they sent this sort of rock this satellite type thing I don't know what you'd call it. It's called a. Uh, it's called. They have a name for it, craft. don't they? Dart, it's called Dart is, um, or something. Yeah. Double action it, um, redirection. It's got an acronym. Yeah, that's an acronym. Dart is an acronym, and they put it up to these two these two asteroids. And the way they can determine whether they've achieved what they're aiming to achieve is they can see the orbit of a, like a mini asteroid going around a bigger asteroid, and the they can then determine if it's been pushed off its actual course by this actually crashing in. So that's crash right. They've in. Got a, there's a uh, diamorphosis, a small one, I think, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And that's, that's the one they're going to crash into. Didymus, which is a bigger one. Yeah. Didymus yeah. is 780 metres uh, in diameter. Yeah. Whereas the one we're going to crash into is a smaller one. 160 metres diameter. Yeah. And they both orbit the sun once every couple of years, I think. Right. Like okay. But the thing yes. is, so that dart thing, what it does, it's going to throw out, just before it does its deed, it yes. throws out this other little satellite, which is going to film everything. And it's going to go straight ah, yes, onto I YouTube. I read that. I wonder straight how they are going to do it. Go. They've got another miniature spacecraft that detaches itself from that yeah. one. Because I yeah, thought, yeah. how the hell are they going to be able to prove it? And then it well, says yeah. that it's going to fly by a couple of minutes before it happens. Yeah, but they, can test, they can test it apparently from here because... They can view the satellite, they can view the asteroid from Earth and they'll see the, the orbit. So they're hoping that they'll be able to, they'll be able to measure the, the, the difference. So then they'll be able to prove that they have achieved what they're trying right. to just nudge because it. My brain, to because nudge my it. brain, I mean, I've been a, a musician and uh, I'm in, into yeah. history and all the rest of it. You're an architect. So we're not physicists, but my brain, it was only when I looked at, watched a NASA person classroom in a, on the space station showing me something that... I, I studied that the other day just to see because I'm thinking, how can this little spacecraft hit this huge object and move it? Then I think to myself, mm. oh, hang on a minute. We, we're not talking about that kind of gravity anymore. And then I realized yeah. listening to the, the lady astronaut that was giving the lecture, I realized on the space station, brilliant yeah. lectures if you ever watch them. They do. She has a little classroom in on the space station. She shows how things work. If they talk yeah. physics uh, GCSE like that, brilliant. Yeah. They, they can actually show it happening in weightless all the time. They can show everything. Yeah. But she, she actually says there that the key to it is 
the speed of the spacecraft. So you've got this little ah, spacecraft because it's only about nineteen speed meters, of it yeah. hitting the object that moves it, not the not the mass sizes, not, you know? not the impact. Yeah, yeah, that maybe well, that's good. I didn't know that. That's really interesting. So it's the because she's saying she's saying yeah because she's saying mm. that when the, yeah because she's saying that when they orbit the Earth. Mm. Why doesn't the space station crash into the Earth? Right. But the reason it stays in orbit is the speed with which the uh, space station is going that yeah. prevents it. So yeah. it's all so it's all to do with speed. That's what sure, yeah, yeah. No, that's weird. That's interesting. But the the thing that I thought was 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 also quite interesting because you talk about the dinosaurs. When you compare the size of the asteroid that comes uh, that they're trying to sort of move. The one or the, the nudge is like 163 meters diameter. The one right. that's supposed to wipe out the dinosaurs was like 10 kilometers diameter. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a big one. They need some serious bit of kit to sort of push that one off its trajectory to hit the Earth, wouldn't you yeah. think? What concerned me was the, the fact that they said they know in the astrobit of half of the, the mm. right size or yeah. the size you're talking about or a bit less that could yeah. get through and they know of about half of them yeah but unfortunately she says there's half of them who we don't know yeah we do not know they're still out there and we can't we they're there but we haven't, seen we, haven't got. Mapped, we haven't mapped them so that's a worry i think <laughs> yeah i mean it's, it's you sort of think these things are done at a press of a button but they must need to sort of like forecast this sort of like years in advance and they may be looking at all these asteroids going right that one there looks like Eventually, when it does its couple of loops around the sun, as it were, it's going to flick and it's going to come into contact. It's going to sort of like smash up with the Earth at some point. So they'd have to send this rocket out like years in advance to actually yeah. try and nudge it. Well, know. apparently, I mean, we, what we should say for the listener, I mean, that everybody will know, of course, but um, I had to look it up again that the our asteroid belt that protects us and breaks most of the stuff up that comes into it is yeah. between Mars and Jupiter. Yeah. That's so right. that means that if we want to send somebody to Mars, we're not actually going the, because it's between it's between Mars the and Jupiter, isn't yeah. where the asteroid belt actually is. And this is where and most of, of course come they're going to be flying it? this little spacecraft at uh, twenty five thousand miles an hour when it hits. Right. That's that's the speed, and apparently it's got a, a robotics on board that's going to actually guide it on its last little bit of its uh, yeah, mission and all, all the rest of it. Yeah. And it's, I think, September 19, uh, September 2022. And Ellie said 1922. Yeah. 2022, September, that's when it's going to hit. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's good that they're trying to think of these. The thing is, what will probably happen is we'll put all our money into some sort of um, research, into sorting this out. But there'll be some other problem that we haven't thought of that will come. Like, we'll get exactly. worked out. Exactly, yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it's this, it comes back to that whole kind of idea of like safety. How many things can you actually really think about yeah. to avoid to, to factor in when and you, you see you factor all that in, as mm. you say, you factor all that in. But then I think to myself that mankind hasn't worked out yet, as we said on the South Pole one. All nations work together. Yeah. The best place to forge your head because you could have another country or somebody else saying, well, I'm going to fire up at that asteroid. I tell you what, or I'm going to start pushing these asteroids over yeah, here. And yeah. then somebody else in the world saying, oh, well, I don't want you to do that because I'm pushing mm. this asteroid over there. Yeah. So it's, it's that thing of the whole world working together here because you might end up start yeah. moving things around in space that you you shouldn't really be moving. That's my Absolutely, worry. Yeah, it's a, strange, it's a good mindset, isn't it? It's a mindset to be thinking about because... 
it's almost relevant to what's happening today. We're looking at this pandemic thing, aren't we? It's affecting the whole world. It's not just if people were thinking. Yes, about and that's another topical thing. thing. As we talk now, our voices yeah. might be picked up in a thousand years time. Yeah. And here we are in this moment talking about, as you quite rightly say, this pandemic that's happening to us now. As a world thing, yeah. The problem we've got is some people making very stringent measures, other countries not. Yeah. And uh, it boils down from my point of view, I just think the sensible course of action is in democracy, you uh, elect governments, whether you like them or not. But the people have to be governed. We have to be governed, whether we like it or not. And if you watch Star Trek and all these things, the only mm. way of survival, and we saw it on the South Post with Amazon's lot and the Inuits, yeah. the only way to survive is that everybody has to do the same thing. You can't have a thousand people having injections to save themselves if another thousand people don't. Yeah, everybody exactly. has to have the jab, mandatory. Yeah. Because Absolute, otherwise yeah. you can't get rid of the pandemic. It's impossible. Yeah, I know. I'm totally you can't agree with leave you. the decision to the people. The people have to be governed by. If when we watch Star Trek, that's the only way these planets survive. Yeah. So we, you know, with the, back to the South Pole with um, Amundsen eating his dogs and all the rest yeah. of it. It's the only way you could survive. And the yeah. Inuit said that was the way. So the only way to stop the pandemic is everybody to have the jabs and then get a huge surplus and then go to all the third world countries and then try and, and do help them, help them. Yeah, absolutely. It's all working, to, as you say, working together for one final outcome. Uh, and so outcome. the problem is, whether it's Titanic, South Pole, whatever. Or an asteroid. It's, our human condi- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the human condition again that's kind yeah. of preventing us from sorting it out. It is. And it's very difficult, isn't it? On one level, you think it should be because easy. Because you don't really want, you know, everybody should have an, be able to have independent thought and be able to make their own decisions. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, you think to yourself, well, yeah, I can't, can't tell we... that person what to do. It's not fair. But yeah. at the same time, if they don't do it, all these people over here might be in trouble. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's very difficult. It's very difficult. Um, but it's the human condition again, isn't it? We talk about this all the time, and I think all the things we explore, when we have these little discussions, I think reflect that human yeah, condition and this, that we and this, have. Just looking at this asteroid today, mm. on the news today, more topical, is they're talking about introducing octopus farms. Oh, yeah. Where they're that. trying yeah. to have it banned in this country, or they're having it banned because. Yeah. They say the octopus is too intelligent to be eaten. And yet then the other argument is, well, people eat pigs and they're very intelligent creatures, apparently. But I don't think a pig's as intelligent as an octopus. I don't know why. I just think... um, No, well, we're more familiar with pigs, I guess, aren't we? Obviously, we don't, you know, see them that often, the old octopus, because they're under the water. No, they're not not in the pen down the road, are they? No, no. But they, there was that film, wasn't there? There was a film f- fairly recently. It was called something like Contact. I can't remember. And I think uh, there's an American actress lady, and she makes contact with these aliens, and they're kind of a bit octopusy like. They're kind of like oh, right. hanging, and they they splurt ink. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> and it sort of has this sort of circle thing, and it's like a language. It's like the way they communicate with each other. And she's some sort of linguist type person. I, I think I'm trying to remember. And she has to try and communicate and work out what they're saying. And they've got this like family of octopusy type things. But, you know, there's a lot to it. Like we just don't understand what they're saying when they squirt this ink out and stuff or an octopus. We can't communicate. This is the problem. We need to communicate and then we might get further. Yeah, I think I think so. 
And so, and so if we bring it back to Dart, this uh, double action, yeah. was it double action redirectional test or whatever they call it? That yeah, sense, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's not before time, really, because they need the, mankind needs to do it to make sure that we can, yeah, it needs to have an idea whether we can do this thing. Well, yeah, but then the other option to saving the human race or the humankind is this, what's his name, um, Elon Musk. He talks yeah. about trying to get out to Mars, as we, as you sort of, yeah. So this one is like thinking about like we're going to stop the disaster, like the asteroid coming in, crashing into us. That's right. So, so basically, the the asteroid hitting is like sort of your back four in football. That's the defence. Yeah. Then you've got the uh, Elon Musk is the forward, the forwards, the yeah. attacks. There. He's thinking. He's at the other end, isn't he? Yeah, we've got to try and get out of the planet to survive. We've got to get off this planet and rehabit inhabit another planet See, there's, um, a, there's one episode of star trek i might have met, mentioned it before where they land on a little spacecraft and they've got all these people crawling all over the spacecraft but to cut a long oh. story short the episode's about a planet so many people on it they've only got about a yard of space oh right yeah yeah millions of them all crammed together so <laughs> so it's a it's actually funny in some senses but a very clever episode it's it, it's exploring yeah. that possibility that well if yeah. we all kind of live it eventually we'll run out of space we'll have to find somewhere else uh, absolutely yeah i think that's an interesting kind of question the interesting thought because it's this extrapolation that we all have don't we because i think there's some sort of one of these thinkers at one point way back 100 150 years ago was sort of saying god if we if the population grows as much as it will grow mm. there'll be no food they literally you won't be able to feed everyone because there's a sort of a exponential growth of population, but yeah. when you look at crops and things, they don't quite they don't quite grow the same way. Not literally grow, but you yeah. can't amass. But he thought that back then. But actually, we've now worked. The, the, the technology comes in and sort of fixes these problems. You know, makes crops uh, more abundant, or you know, they don't fail quite as often, and we're able to feed everybody. But it is an issue, isn't it? That, that you do wonder sometimes. There's a natural, but for instance, again, back on the thing, the the Black Death. When the Black Death came in, whatever 500 odd years ago, it killed a whole load of the population, as do wars. And then that created the peasant revolt, where there weren't enough people to do the work, so they had to. They started sort of fighting, but uh, or you know, revolting. The peasants were revolting, as it were. <laughs> to keep the keep the land the landowners are saying we need people to do the work and they're saying no when when we haven't got the people until you're going to have to pay us more money but if we if the population does it naturally it's almost like a natural thing do you think do do you believe do you buy into that natural gaia type thing where the the planet keeps a balance to itself at some point. Uh, natural. It's see, looking at nature. It seems it seems that's what is happening. But it yeah. also seems that man is now tampering with that natural form. It's tampering with it either to to help things or not help yeah. things. So, is that so, good or bad? Oh, it's really difficult, isn't it? I mean, I yeah. I remember talking to somebody once that said that they. They thought that it, the world will live on for millions and millions and millions and millions of years. And and every now and again, it will get rid of its parasite that lives on it. Yeah, exactly. Which is so the blip, aren't we? It says that the world will carry on. It'll just get rid of, it'll yeah. just keep happening. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think there's something, there is something in that, definitely. So, um, so the sensible course of action is for mankind to either... You can't fight the planet at that level. So what you need to do really is find another Earth-like planet that's possibly 
in a younger stage of its development than that one so that yeah i suppose that's but then again that's the elon musk thing that's that's the form yeah. of defense the one that we were going to talk about one time was that eric von oh, i can't remember his name we might have to edit this i was bit thinking of von stalheim from the biggles no 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 the one, Jeremy, that, one of these no. things <laughs> these yeah no, these astronauts that came down about 8,000 years ago, they reckon. Yes. Remember that book yes. we were going to do? Uh, I remember yes. his name at some point, but we were going to do that. And they were like astronauts from either our future or maybe we'd gone to another planet. Then we come back to us 8,000 years ago, cavemen doing cave paintings. Yes, because that, ex- that explains how mankind managed to get so intelligent that quickly. Yeah. They yeah. can't really understand how, how quick we managed to do it. So suddenly they come down... And it's all in our mythology, our Bibles and our, all these yeah. old texts. That yeah. These things came from our space. They came down, gave us the information, then went. Or yes. then they impregnated us to be sort of half human, half whatever they were. Maybe they weren't proper. Maybe they were half octopus. Maybe they were octopus. That's quite a, octopus. Quite, that is actually quite a logical and quite plausible sort of theory, really. Yeah, isn't it? that's right. Yeah, Because it, it would explain a lot of things. Exactly. Maybe we should look into it a little bit more on another episode. Uh, the, we should, the idea. Yes. I think that would be that I think that'd be really interesting. Um so so that's basically it for today. We've got this yeah. uh, it was a Falcon 9 rocket uh, that went into space and it's collide it'll be about 11 million kilometers 683508 3.146 I've got here. Oh wow. Miles yeah. away. Yeah. Apparently. And uh, these September be... 19 uh, 1920 2022 that's when yeah. that's. Yeah. So well, we look forward to that. So come full circle we've done sort of a historical thing but we're definitely yeah. looking at the pandemic and looking at i really love these discussions because they kind of like yeah. making so many different things They're but as you pointed out here the pandemic is not really unusual in mankind's history when you look at the plague right. rest of it. we've had all this before yeah but this yeah. is where conspiracies sort of kick off isn't it when people sort of think oh well they look at back at these things and they maybe sort of go yeah there must be a reason this is happening maybe there is maybe there isn't or is it just a natural justice and that the nature yeah. naturally control us you know it's funny because as a musician when you improvise mm. when you're really in the zone and you're improvising on completely new ground yeah. when you go back if you've recorded it and analyzed it yeah. Then when you break it down, it's actually quite logical and it's not as interesting as when you were doing it because actually there's logic mm-hmm. to it. So, you know, yeah. with this, it, there, there will be some form of logical. Yes, yeah, it's in there. It's deep in your unconscious. It's obviously the collective, a collect, this collective consciousness that we talked about before, um, that it's there. But you've just got to draw it out, haven't you? Yeah, Through, um, exactly. The, the way you can use your the power of your brain somehow. Yeah. And as I've said, any any artist or anybody is, is creative in any way whatsoever. And yeah. I discovered it in my very young life. But once I discovered the parallel, I'll say it many times, between if you're studying something, whether you're an artist, a musician, a poet, writer, if you study something for long enough and or deep enough, it opens your thinking up to think in different areas. And then you explore these areas. You might not be very good in these other areas, but creates lateral thinking it creates you to think a different way yeah just simply yeah. because you're working in a creative way it could be anything that you're doing absolutely yeah, yeah. Right, all okay helps. we'll wrap up helps. there i think rj okay then that's brilliant okay thank you. okay then cheers then well thanks to rj as ever for his great uh, conversation and just to answer a question rj posed earlier 
I needed to think it through and uh, I couldn't answer it at the time and so I did some more checking out. Uh, this idea, why did they build such a great big ship as the Titanic? And why didn't, as RJ suggested, build two smaller ones? Well, at first I thought it was directly related to uh, Edward VII having a reputation in his short reign for the ornate and extravagance after many years of his mother, Queen Victoria, in retirement and mainly from public life in a constant uh, mourning, which I guess uh, reflected on the nation. But of course Edward died in 1910, so commissioning of the Titanic was 1911. It seems uh, the real reason was simply fighting competition from other shipping lines. Reference DART, the spaceship uh, heading for an asteroid in September 2022. Well, I'll hazard a guess at success because as an improvising musician and artist, I'm an optimist by nature. Uh, we'll see, as some of you listening to this may be listening to it way, way in the future uh, from our original pod upload. Stay tuned for more and let's all keep learning and being creative. I guess it's a good recipe for happiness and satisfaction.